GamesillaMedia.com. Noise Land Arcade. Welcome to Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK, and with me, as always, is my buddy, the Arcade Phantom. How's it going, Craig? Pleasure to be here. Great to have you once again, Sean. I uh, so Sean, what are we, we're we're talking today about? Bart's dog gets an F, right? Yeah, Bart's dog gets an F as an episode. It's I'm, not that bad. It's, it's not that good either. It's just kind of mediocre. Well, we'll get into it. Yeah, all right. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's we'll chat about here. So, Sean, when did this episode first come out? This episode first came out March seventh, nineteen ninety one. Yeah, so in this pet-centric episode, the Simpson family dog goes out of control, ruining things around the house, prompting Homer to threaten Bart to get Santa's little helper to behave, or else they get rid of him. So I'm a dog person, and this concept alone just upsets me. The fact that they would threaten to get rid of their animal. Yeah, any pet. Even if it was Snowball, I'd be upset. And I didn't become a cat person until recently, but I'd still be upset if my parents were like, we're going to get rid of your cat because he's pooping in the house. Yeah, that's true. the The very notion of the the idea is kind of kind of a, a little bit of a flaw for the episode. Though, I will say, I mean, you know, if you can't control your animal and it's ruining everything, like, I mean, you know, like, what else can you do? Like, I mean, obviously, get it under control is the priority. But if you can't, you know, then there is an issue. Okay, you know? I'm gonna throw my cards on the table real early for this episode. Throw uh-huh. it out here before we even get deep into it. Uh huh. So, what upsets me about this episode? Yeah is the whole concept that Bart's dog is being bad, so they're going to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. But when we first were introduced to Santa's little helper, he's a loser. He's pathetic. He's a Simpson. Yeah. That's what makes him a member of the family, is that he's faulty. That is very true. Uh, though, I mean, you know, that faultiness wasn't him destroying, you know, precious antiques and... Uh, uh, antiques? Heirlooms. I guess heirlooms. It would be an heirloom. Yeah, precious heirlooms and, well, Homer's most treasured possession, uh, which we'll get to. Uh, so, Sean, uh, what do you have for uh, information for us today? So, a few days before this episode, mm-hmm. March 4th, the Simpsons arcade game is released. A phenomenal arcade game, uh, and in fact, uh, that leads us into a little bit of a plug, because coming up in the future... Uh, Pretty pretty quick uh, in the coming weeks, you're going to have a episode of the Legend of Retro, our retro uh, video game themed podcast uh, on the Gamezilla Media Network. Uh, that is going to uh, release a uh, episode where the sh- uh, the Sean Sean the Arcade Phantom, <laughs> myself and the Glitch uh, got together and talked about that uh, that video game. It's a great game, so to give that a listen because I don't want to go into and waste our entire episode here talking about it again for another hour. But I mean, it's we great. probably could, yeah, because yeah, it we is could. <laughs> it is an awesome game. I, I love talking about it. And there's a ton of great uh, references. So if you're a fan of our show, make sure to check out that uh, episode of the Legend of Retro. Now, Sean, I uh, I have a little bit of good news for you. Finally, not bad news. <laughs> Correct. Uh, the Persian Gulf War has ended. Within three days of this episode airing, 540,000 troops have left the Gulf. Though there are issues, like they left Saddam in power. So I actually have a fond memory of this as a child. Oh, yeah? The night that they announced that, you know, we had won the Persian Gulf War, Mm -hmm. 
I was at a Red Wings game. Really? And it was announced before the game had started. Really? And let me tell you, that was the loudest national anthem I have ever heard in my life because every single person in that room was singing it. That is actually really awesome. It was insane. I now I I a lot of people have given uh, George Bush Sr. some flack for leaving Saddam Hussein in power. Saddam Hussein was a maniac after all. Like the dude was just rotten to the core. I. Uh, However, he really he you know he noted that he did not want America to be bogged down in Iraq for a long time after defeating Saddam Hussein. What are you getting at? What are you getting at here? That sound familiar, Sean? Just a little familiar. What you mean that it's 2019 and kids who can join the army now have lived in a perpetual state where they've been at war? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that is it. <sighs> but I tell you what, let's go ahead and jump into. You had to make that depressing. You had to make it depressing. Even good news, you make it depressing. Every... I give this highlight about talking about the national anthem, mm-hmm. and you just crash it to the ground. That's what I do, Sean. That's what I do. Life, as I've said before, and like everyone says, life is a never ending torrent of misery. Anywho, <laughs> let's jump into the episode. So, at uh, the start of the episode, uh, there's already a little bit of a dated reference. We have a paper boy going around throwing papers, just like that Nintendo game. Oh, that's a sweet Midway arcade game. But why isn't, a mid- why isn't, it, why isn't it a middle-aged dude in a van? Because that's who throws the papers out these days, right? Right? In the 90s, I mean... In the nineties, kids. Yeah, it would have been a kid in the nineties. Nowadays, Uh, people get iPads thrown at them, right? That's how it happens. (laughs) You throw an iPad at someone, and they have a newspaper. I think that's how it goes. I'm not entirely familiar. I I don't have a newspaper subscription. You know, oddly enough, though, every day I'm driving to work, there's some people who sell their local newspaper, Mm -hmm. and they'll be walking in the middle of the road asking people for money for their paper. Oh, sure, sure. I've seen that. It's always very weird to me because I'm like. You're standing in the road. This is dangerous. You're kind of scaring me right now. Yeah, that is really weird. That is very weird. I uh, so uh, at the start of the episode though, we we have you know see this newspaper and stuff. I uh, Homer is uh, yelling about how uh, to the dog. He's like, "No, this is Homer food." And like the dog is hearing it is like, blah, 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 and like it's all black and white. So the dog at the start of the episode grabs the newspaper from Homer and rips off part of it, and it starts off the episode with Homer upset at the dog. Yeah, yeah. Then we're showing Homer sitting at the table reading that newspaper, and there's a hole in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. How? The newspaper wasn't folded over. He ripped off the end of it. It would be the top or bottom would be frayed. It wouldn't have a hole. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Oh, th- that bugged me. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, it- it's also a really cartoony scene because the dog looks at Homer's food and it, it like, it like he reimagines it as a dog dish. Uh, so it's like a really, really cartoony scene, like we, right off the bat. We get a lot of shots in this episode from Santa's little helper's point of view. Mm-hmm. And they're in black and white. Yep. Which we now know through studies that dogs do not see in black and white. Their eyesight is actually closer to those who are colorblind with a red-green blindness. I was going to say, yeah, they can see some colors, I know. I, I don't know the details. I don't do a lot of research on, on dogs' vision or anything. But, yeah, they, it's not necessarily black and white. But back then, that was the, the consensus that uh, dogs could only see in black and white. I. Uh, 
So Lisa comes in, though, and she's not feeling so well. Her cheeks are a little puffy, and she tells her mom uh, to just tape her lunchbox to her hand and that she can make it. Uh, she's a trooper. She sure is. Bart is not such a trooper. Bart would have immediately leveraged that and got out of school. Bart tries to leverage Lisa's pain here. Oh, yeah, that's right. He kind of has a crabby moment from Bart coming up here. So uh, she calls Dr. Hibbert at home. Which I, I did ask my mom. I was like, you know, I, I got a hold of my mom. I was like, mom, I was like, uh, uh, in the early 90s, is that a thing people did? Is like had their doctors like phone numbers for home? And she was like, no, no, that's not a thing. And I was like, okay, so maybe like way earlier? Funny that you say that because I did the same research. Uh huh. And my mother did have my doctor's home phone number. Really? Yes. Weird. So I guess your mother just didn't care about you. Now we already <laughs> knew that. I. Uh, so I... This uh, is really funny that we both looked at that exact same thing and, yeah, and had totally, totally different results. Totally different. I. So I... Uh, but lo- Hibbert's shown in a Cosby sweater. Yeah, Dr. Hibbert is sort of a, a little bit of a play on Cosby. Yeah, he's a play on Bill Cosby, who was their big rival at the time. They're on Thursday nights competing with the Cosby show. Back then, Bill Cosby wasn't known as a horrible sex offender. He was America's dad. Yeah, he was. He wrote the book on fatherhood. Literally. Literally, yeah, <laughs> literally wrote a book on fatherhood called Fatherhood. Uh, there, there is actually some um, some early season stuff where, where Bill Cosby is like sort of praised. And uh, let me see how that uh, went. Uh, but I... Uh, so yeah, the uh, uh, Marge is pretty sure that Lisa has the mumps. Uh, it's highly contagious. It's a viral disease that causes painful swelling of the uh, uh, parotid salivary uh, 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 glands. Uh, complications of the disease can cause meningitis, pancreatitis, uh, deafness, swelling of the heart. Uh, the vaccine was introduced uh, in USA in 1967. Uh, and so, like, were the writers remembering mumps from their own childhood? Because Lisa should have been vaccinated, right? Or her parents are anti-vax. I mean... It could have been a money issue with the Simpsons that they didn't vax the kids. That I could, could see be. that. They're going to die of polio someday. It's going to be horrible. Good. That's just how I want the Simpsons to end. <laughs> don't you remember that Simpsons episode where Bart got polio and Lisa got measles? I don't entirely remember it, but I maybe it was a fan fiction episode. I uh, So I uh, as far as that goes like I uh, I uh, you know uh, while while Marge is dealing with uh, you know her sick daughter, Homer is is all peeved off at Santa's little helper because he like jumps up on the table and starts eating his food. I uh, so he gets chained up in the back, and I uh, I uh, he gets put on the never break leash. Yes, never break. Uh, he also digs up a crusty doll, and as it's like dying, it sounds horrifying. It's like I love you. And it's like just really creepy sounding. I uh, now I so I watched this episode recently, mm-hmm. very recently, and Toy Story Four has just come out. Yeah, and voice boxes play a very significant part in that movie, oh. and that was all I could think about. Was I'm like, oh, that that voice box is very important. That doll's gonna have a sad life now. Oh, that's depressing. Uh, I haven't seen Toy Story, uh, uh, the newest Toy Story. I. Uh, so I, uh, so you know, Lisa uh, is is you know, uh, it's you know, uh, 
Marge sets up the appointment with Hibbert, and uh, Bartley comes in, and uh, he's like, ah, she's faking it. And it's like, what? Bart, settle down. I mean, though, I had a younger sibling, Mm -hmm. and if my sibling was sick, I would want to skip school, too, so. I guess so. Uh, But Bart does it in a very negative way. It's not like he's like, oh, I'm also feeling ill, or like, oh, I should be here with my sister. It's like, he's just like, she's faking it. If she gets to stay home, I get to stay home. And it's like, uh, you'll get a black eye if you don't get yourself to school. I will hit you. Get your butt out of here. Uh, although I do appreciate that uh, uh, Bart is like, because like, you know, Lisa's like, I wish I could go to school. And Bart's like, Lisa, you wasted the chicken pox. Don't waste the mumps. I also appreciate that uh, uh, Dr. Hibbert. Uh, he's like, how did you get this number? And then there's a pause, and he goes, ah, I see, quite ingenious. And then that's it. We don't know how that she uh, how she got the number. I. Uh, so I, I. Bart is I. Uh, uh, oh no, that's right. The the dog breaks free from the chain, right? Yep. And I, uh, uh, Otto's like, "Hey, Harry, dude!" And Bart's like, "Go back to the house!" And it comes out as like, blah, 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 blah. "It's very Charlie Brown esque mm-hmm. the way the parents talk in that show." I, uh, and so uh, the dog goes on a little adventure. I uh, he uh, he goes into like the uh, uh, the quickie mart. Uh, steal some jerky. Yeah, steal some beef jerky. Uh, and then ends up in Sylvia Winfield's pool, who is uh, one of the old people who uh, really, really hate Homer and the Simpsons. Yeah, she's actually a carryover from the Tracy Ullman show. Oh, yeah, I think we've talked about that. And on, uh, she on is played episode. in this episode by Tracy Ullman again. All right, because we have Tracy Ullman back in this uh, uh, for this episode yeah, as a guest, guest star. stars in this episode. I. Uh, and so I, uh, I, uh, Homer argues with her, and it's funny because like Homer is just so mean. He's like, "Are you losing your hearing, or are you just stupid?" He's like, "I'm looking at my dog, right, though." And we find out that that it really is Santa's little helper in uh, the uh, the Winfield's pool. I, uh, and so he takes Santa's little helper back home, and uh, he runs into Flanders, who's outside. Flanders is jogging, so he's got a nice little jogging attire, but there's one special piece to his jogging attire that he's got that Homer takes notice of. Yeah, it's great because, like, Flanders congratulates Homer for exercising, and it immediately prompts Homer to lash out about his outfit, and he starts making fun of it, except the shoes. The assassins. I want shoes called assassins. Dude, they sound, the name alone makes me want to buy them. Uh, they've got Velcro straps, a water pump in the tongue, a pedometer, reflective sidewalls, and a vanity license plate. And he tells Homer that sometimes you have to spoil yourself. So, with the assassins, mm-hmm. they monitor his heart rate. Uh-huh. So, apparently, the reason the writers put that in there is because they thought that was new technology that was fancy and fantastic. Really? Now you can buy a $40 Fitbit. I swear every single person has one of these, and they check their heart rate constantly. And it's always, how many steps did I take today? For a while there, especially when the Fitbits first started coming out, everybody, like at work and stuff, I would have so many people who are just like, oh, i got to get my steps in and stuff. And it's like, okay. Okay. It's a fad, but it's okay. I mean, it's a health-related fad, so it's a little better than most. Oh, yeah. Health-related fad is the best fad you could have. I mean, if it's going to improve your health, yeah, absolutely. 
it, it makes things miserable for everybody else, uh, you know, like CrossFit and stuff like that. But, like, I mean, kudos to anyone who's doing it. Did you get your steps in today? No. I've been sitting here recording episodes <laughs> all day with uh, you or the glitch. And, yeah, no, uh, I didn't get my steps in. Uh, so, I uh, Hibbert has agreed with Marge's assessment, and Lisa does have the mumps. Uh, tells her that he's got to, you know, she's got to take a week off of school. Uh, Lisa's, you know, a little uh, uh, upset, but you know, H- Hibbert is making small talk, and he asks her what her favorite subject is. Lisa says it's arithmetic, uh, which I feel like we're going to have to remember for future episodes because I feel like her favorite subject will probably come up again. I. Uh, and uh, Hibbert says, uh, like, oh, don't worry. Soon you'll be back with your polygons. I, uh, hi, I, uh, your polygons, hypotenuse, hypotenuse, Pythagorean theorem, uh, Lucidian algorithms. Oh, Lucidian algorithms. Uh, which uh, uh, the first two are a little bit more about geometry, but the third is an efficient method of determining the greatest common divisor between two numbers. Uh, I don't know how it works because I'm terrible at math, but I just took the internet's word for it. I love when your notes are just, I took the internet's word for it. I just, that's, I'm just agreeing with the internet. That's okay. I'm going to trust them on the, you still, you algo, algorithm, alg, that. And then Lisa gets a pink lollipop. I. Okay, so the lollipop is weird to me. Oh? Because she has the lollipop later on in the episode. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, if a doctor gave me a lollipop, I immediately threw that in my mouth. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There, there was no waiting on my lollipop. No, absolutely not. I, And so I, Lisa calls Homer, and it's funny because this footage I, uh, of her with like her puffed up cheeks on the couch is going to be uh, used again, I think, in Lisa's Pony. Um... In, is, is it in Lisa's Pony or is it in um, Lisa the Greek? Maybe even both. It might be. Might be both. Uh, and so uh, uh, Homer makes some kind of joke about how uh, mumps is the kissing disease, which is mono. Uh, and uh, Lisa uh, tells Homer that she needs a copy of Teen D- Dream, Teen Scream, and Teen Steam. When Homer uh, Homer tells Lenny that he to cover for him because he has to leave early to get magazines. So maybe he's got to get to the mall before it closes. I mean, like he'd have to get out pretty late. Well, sometimes we see him getting out at night. I mean, oh, he, he got true. out at night when Mr. Burns was a governor because he would fall asleep at his desk. Uh, which yeah. Lenny, I love when Lenny covers for Homer. That's my favorite shot in this episode. Oh, when he like puts his hands up and he's like, ah, and puts his like feet puts up, his feet up, puts his hands up, and he's just a little relaxing. I do appreciate that this is another one of P- uh, Homer's uh, pieces of advice to Bart. Cover for me. Yep. Gets to use that again. Uh, and so, uh, meanwhile, Lisa is going to be uh, uh, dealing with the family quilt, which she says smells historic. Uh, and there are patches on this quilt. And essentially, I, 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 Marge is going to have Lisa do her own patch to add to the quilt and you know pass it along down the family. Uh, some of the uh, the patches we see are King Tobacco, Side Saddle, or uh, somebody doing Side Saddle Buffalo Hunting, uh, uh, some you know woman from the Bouvier line or whatever, uh, Civil War Union shoulder, Soldier being shot, uh, the 1929 stock market crash, crash uh, 
each generation of Bouvier sews a patch for the quilt. Uh, Lisa says she doesn't know how to sew, but Marge says the memory of a million drop stitches flows in your veins. And uh, Marge is a machine. Like, she's, like, to test out, like, the fact that her, like, finger has, like, her thumb has, like, so many calluses, uh, she, like, lights it on fire. So, she mentioned sewer's finger is what you're going to get where you have that. Mm-hmm. That is a real thing. Oh. My girlfriend's mother is actually a seamstress. Oh. She's a seamstress for the audio company, and she can sew like you would not believe, and you could stab her finger over and over again with a pin, and she would not bleed. Weird. And my girlfriend is also that way as a seamstress, because it just flows in the bloodline, apparently, that you just... Wasn't aware that. that was genetic. I... But yeah, they're, they're both like that, where you can prick their fingers and it won't bleed. It's very weird. That is weird. Hmm. So Homer goes to the Springfield Mall. He passes by the jelly store. We've seen that in previous episodes. Uh, and he gets to Around the World News. And did you catch the, the some of the magazines? I didn't pay much attention. I was more stuck on the fact that it's very dated to buy magazines, first off, and yes, then go is. to the mall to get them. Yes, it is. Malls in general are, are you know, going to be pretty dated in general by today's standards, let alone a newsstand. Uh, but we have uh, uh, some some that catch my attention are Teen Spleen, Stream, Scream, Dream, Cream, Scheme, Martin Sheen's Teen Scene, and Non-Threatening Boys. Non-Threatening Boys might be my favorite. And that appears in other episodes. Yes. Uh, also, uh, some of the uh, articles that caught my attention uh, was like Timmy Tim and his grandma. I... Uh, can I, uh, can I get to a dark territory first before you get into that? Sure. So I work in a video store. Yeah, yeah. Teen Cream is a... Uh, oh, no. Is a title. I'm not surprised. Uh, that's one of the reasons I made sure to make note of Teen I'm Cream. I'm sure you did, because it is an adult title. <sighs> I have seen Porno. that before. Oh, yeah. So it's really funny that The Simpsons picked that. Oh, Simpsons did it first, as always. Uh, so Homer goes to buy them, and like... Why is the guy giving Homer a hard time? Like, and why is Homer like Homer's being defensive anyway? But the but like Homer's like they're for my daughter, and he's like, yeah, sure, buddy. But like, I mean, why would they not be for his daughter? There is a stigmata about buying feminine products that goes with an older generation before us, because you would have guys when Craig and I have mentioned before on the show that we both worked in a grocery store. Yeah, yeah. They would come up buying tampons for their wife, and they would say, "Oh, they're not for me." And every time my reaction would be, I certainly hope not. Yeah, it was, that's really weird. And it's strange to me too, because like, and this is just a quick little side note story, but like uh, when I was finally got my license, I, uh, one of the, the thing, like the, uh, the kind of the prerequisites for me being able to drive my mother's vehicle was that uh, I had to like go do errands, like, you know, like grocery shopping and stuff. Yeah. You know, my mom really, really didn't like going grocery shopping. So that fell to me. I, now, as far as that goes, I, I, I had like you know I have a sister that's only a few years younger than me, so you know I occasionally had to go out and buy tampons, and it wasn't a big deal to me. It didn't matter. It was just like you know, so long as I knew what she wanted, what variety, the pink box with like the, the little pink bubble. I remember what it looks like. Though Lord help me, I can't think of a name to save my life. But I know what it looks like, and so I could always pick it out and stuff. And uh, I distinctly remember there was a time I was uh, at Farmer Jack. 
That is a old grocery store that used to exist in the Michigan era, uh-huh. and they no longer exist. No, they they long since closed down. Uh, and so I was at Farmer Jack's, and the uh, I sent the, the the box through, and the lady was like, "You didn't make a big deal about it. I'm really impressed." And I was like, "Is that something that like deserves praise?" And she's like, "You would she, she's like you would be surprised how many people are really weird about it and like try to cover it up, hide it out, hide it like behind other things, or will you know." like essentially like make excuses. And so, yeah, it's weird that like that generation before us is really weird about anything feminine. It's yeah. a very weird thing. That's just not existent. Cause who cares? Who honestly cares if you go out and buy a feminine product? Yeah. I mean, cause like, you know, like you said, it, it, we know that it's not for the guy. And if it was, we don't care enough to question it. Yeah. But anywho, uh, so the, the guy gives Homer a hard time. And uh, Homer passes by a, sh- a store called Gum for Less, and he drops all everything when he sees a shoe store that has the Assassins. Did you catch the price of the Assassins? I, uh, hundred and twenty-five dollars, right? Which would be two hundred thirty-five dollars today with inflation. Yikes! That's not that bad for shoes. I mean, like, I don't. I try not to spend too much money on shoes. Like, I mean, I have to buy specialty shoes from from like shops that have wide shoes because I have really wide feet. I uh, so like mine tend to be a little bit more expensive, but like, I mean, I guess Jordans are probably like super expensive, right? Oh yeah, if you get nice shoes, they're five hundred, six hundred dollars. Heck, when I was looking at those Game Boy shoes for the longest time, those were going to cost me about nine hundred. Oh man. Yikes. I mean, they're cool, don't get me wrong, but yikes. I uh, And so I uh, I uh, the image of Flanders appears in Homer's head and he's like spoil yourself, spoil yourself, spoil yourself and, so, and he's like Homer's like I don't know. That's expensive, yada yada. And the image of Flanders is like, Simpson, I order you to buy those shoes. And he's like, "Yes, sir." And he goes off and goes to buy the assassins. I uh, Meanwhile, you have uh, Marge and uh, Lisa uh, looking at the quilt still. And so uh, uh, Marge, the one Marge made was keep on trucking with a yin-yang symbol. What does that even mean? Funny enough, Marge, uh, when Lisa says that, Marge says she doesn't know what it doesn't uh, didn't know what it meant then uh, or doesn't know what it meant then and doesn't know now. Uh, And it's just a phrase of encouragement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, it would be the same thing as if somebody put on get her done nowadays. Right. Is it? It's pretty similar. It's a phrase of encouragement. I mean, but isn't that like from 10 years ago? I mean, it still would have been dated when Marge would have done it because right, Keep touche. On Trucking would have been in the 60s and Marge would have done it in the 70s, probably. Right, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, and so I... I I just want to throw Get Her Done out in any episode I can. I'll be whoa. honest. Just just, just to see that look in your face of just anger. Oh, that was Larry the Cable Guy, right? Get Her Done, Craig. Oh, God, that was the worst. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, so I, I appreciate that uh, Bart gets uh, Lisa's uh, uh, homework and then slips his own in there. Uh, remedial reading. <laughs> remedial reading. Yikes. Uh, I also like that Homer comes in with a magazine. He's like, how many of these guys are named Corey? And Lisa's immediately like, eight. So do you know what that is in reference to? No. That's in reference to the two Corys. So growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, 
Corey Haim and Corey Feldman were incredibly popular. Oh. They were known as the two Corys because they were like two teen dreams, basically. Okay. The Feld dog, you know. Wait, were they teen dreams or teen they were, dreams? They were teen dreams. Oh, okay. Just wondering. The Feld dog was in, you know, in Friday the 13th, part four. Oh. I, I just wanted to bring that up because I, I, I love Corey figured, Feldman. Yes. But, um, uh-huh, I figured. Corey Feldman grew up to be really weird, and Corey Haim incidentally passed away in 2010. 20, for what? He had to have been young, he right? He was pretty young, yeah. Good Lord. That's depressing. But yeah, they were known as the two Corys, and that's where the reference to Corey, which we will see a lot, because Lisa has a crush on one of these eight Corys. Yeah, that's true. We will see that a few times uh, throughout the uh, the show. Now, uh, uh, you know, Bart's in there, Homer comes in with the magazines, and Bart blabs. He's like, whoa, the assassins. He's like, those are super expensive. And Marge is like, wait, what? And totally uh, gets into an argument with uh, Homer about it. And uh, Homer's defense is, well, you bought all those smoke alarms and we haven't had a single fire. Homer's got a point. What a waste of money. They haven't used them once. I mean, can you believe it? Uh, so I, I... Meanwhile, the TV is flipping through channels. Okay, this is a scene that I was bugged by and I hope you're bugged by it too. The dog, Santa's little helper, is is biting the remote and it keeps changing the channel. Uh so there is a woman hunt uh for the babysitter bandit Batsakowski. Uh Krusty is on Joe's show and he makes some remark like, Oh, I'll only do your show. Uh there's an image of a duff beer in front of like a jungle, which we'll see that. Yeah, uh, that that was from um Homer's Odyssey, right? Homer's Odyssey, it's also shown again when Homer gets cable. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. I uh, and so I uh, uh, Homer has put the uh, assassins. Oh no, you skipped the one that oh. bugs me. Oh, what's the one that bugs you? They show Troy McLure and it's not voiced by Phil oh, Hartman. That's it's right. So odd and unnerving, and I always have to go back to it and be like, wait, what was that? Yeah, they show uh, the. I can't believe they invented that, but. It, it isn't Phil Hartman's voice. Oh, it bugs me so much. Why couldn't they just recycle the line? That's so weird. Maybe because he was a guest star, they'd have to pay him for it. Oh, yeah, that's probably the case. Some kind of contractual thing. Anywho. But still, I mean, you have someone like uh, Joe Montana, who voices... Um, mm-hmm. uh, what's the mobster's name? I totally forgot his name. Now. Oh, Fat, Fat Tony. Tony. He voices Fat Tony, and he has said on record... That I don't care if Fat Tony shows up and he coughs. I want to do this scene. Okay, I can see that. Like it is his character, and that's why he wants to always be involved with it. Yeah. So I'm sure Phil Hartman felt that way and eventually got that way, but he probably wasn't there yet because he just appeared mm. on the show. He just started showing up. That's true. Very true. I uh, now I. So yeah, Homer has the assassins up in the closet, and Santa's little helper sees them and locks eyes on them. Uh, the Homer then finds the remains of the shoes, screams, and the dog joins in and howls, and uh, uh, that's the end of that scene. You jumped ahead on that. Santa's little helper chews up the quilt first. Does he do the quilt first? He does the quilt first because Homer tries to calm Marge down. And he says, "Oh no, Mar- that's with the cookie later." Oh, you're right. That's with the cookie. Yeah, you're yeah, right. yeah. That's, Never mind. You're I, right. I, and, and you're right. It's, you're right. It's, there's so many very similar scenes in here that it like it throws me off too. Because I was reading my notes and I'm like, "Oh, I thought this was a little off," but yeah, yeah, so, you're right. 
So they buy a padlock for the dog. I uh, and they start looking into the schools. And I uh, I uh, Bart complains that school is Marge's answer for everything. Uh, did you see what some of the dog schools are? I did not. Eastside Rough Form School, Professor Von Bowser's Sanitarium for Dogs, uh, and in parentheses it says, we taught a dog to drive. <laughs> Dr. Marvin Monroe's Canine Institution, your dog isn't the problem, you are. Emily Winthrop's uh, Canine College. Uh, now, some without pictures, though, are Lustful Dogs, Guppy Puppy, Easy Dog It, Hey Lassie, Homer's Dog, Hot Dog, Hotter Dog, Hottest Dog, Psychic Pooch, Old Yeller School, and Underdog. Hottest Dog might be my favorite. I'm fan of Lustful Dogs. <laughs> that's so weird, right? That, that's super weird, but I, I just like that, imagine there's a company out there that's called Hot Dog, and you're like, no, we're Hotter Dog. We're Hottest Dog. I, so I, I, or so Bart is going to take uh, Santa's little helper to this, you know, I, I, Emily Winthrop's Canine College. I, uh, some of the uh, people uh, that we see in the school are Martin Prince, Jacques, I, I, you know, and some some other lady. I uh, we ha- and uh, it's funny they uh, uh, refer to the lady Winthrop, who's voiced by I. Uh, uh, Tracy Ullman. Tracy Ullman. Thank you. Their name escaped me for a second there. Uh, she introduces herself and uh, uh, asks for Bart's dog's name and refers to him as Satan's little helper. Uh, we also see the barfly Sam with a dog. Not the only time we'll see uh, Santa's little helper referred to as Satan's little helper. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because in the Laddie episode later on, he's the church dog and he unholied the holy water. Ah, yes, they remember yes. Satan's little helper. <laughs> also, is Tracy Ullman just contractually obligated to have people whose names are Wynn? She's Mrs. Winfield and Winthrop. Oh, I didn't even catch that. That's weird, right? That is weird. I wonder if they didn't even like think about it and they're just like, Winthrop. There we go. I. So I. She she utters a line that I really really uh, uh, like. It's it's really funny and her delivery is great. She says, "With love and compassion, any puppy will grow up to be a cuddly little bundle of joy." That's nonsense taught by charlatans and learned by bloody twits. Let me tell you the two most important words: choke chain. She says the same way you would raise a child: simple, authoritative commands. I. Uh, which I will have you guys know, I no longer have a child because of a choke chain that I used to put around their neck. It's you it know does what? not work. Uh, child Protective Services will come and take them away. That is true. Uh, we, we Sean and I learned that the hard way with our kid. Uh, she says the dog's eyes will cross and tongue change color. And Bart says, "Is my dog dead?" She says, <laughs> "You don't know how many times I'm asked that." She says, "Choke chain is a misnomer. Trust me, they are always breathing." Meanwhile, while Bart is being traumatized by the fact his dog is, you know, being choked to death, uh, Marge and Lisa are sewing and watching a soap operas. Uh, Rather adult soap opera. Prove it's my baby. And, uh, yeah, some guy saying that uh, this woman has to prove it's his baby, and uh, he treats her like garbage because that's the way she likes it. Lisa then says, gee, is it always this good? 
And Marge says Brandy's coming out of a coma. She knows, and she knows the phony prince's body is hidden in the boathouse. I. Uh, my favorite line is the last character who shows up on this. Father McGriff, I thought you were uh, you were dead. I was. <laughs> I love that line. I I would watch soap operas if they were that ridiculous. I which I say that, but there was a soap opera that was that ridiculous and it got canceled. It was Passions. So for anyone oh. who doesn't know what Passions is, is it soap opera that involved vampires, witches, mummies? What? It's insanity. I've read like descriptions of people talking about it. And look up Passions. How long did it opera. last? A few seasons, I want to say. Man. But it is just pure insanity. That sounds hilarious. I. So the the episode continues, and uh, there is a uh, montage showing all the dogs doing way better than Santa's little helper. I. And uh, it back to Emily Winthrop, and she's like, your dog can pee like a faithful friend or like a hose without a fireman. And uh, we see Bart cleaning up, you know, dog pee. And, uh, you know, he's not thrilled. I looked it up. Passions lasted for nine seasons. Nine seasons? Good Lord. It was an insane show. Why are we not doing a Passions podcast? <laughs> Uh, I guess I'd like to keep my sanity for as long as possible. Maybe it's too late. Uh, so I, uh, Homer decides to take the shoes back. You know, the assassins that have been ruined by the dog. Uh, meanwhile, we see some Japanese guy karate kicking like a store rep with the shoes he's buying. Well, he's buying karate shoes, so he's got to kick some guy. Is that how that works? That's how it works. That's well, how. Fair enough. I don't know. I'm going to kick more people when I buy shoes. That's what I do when I buy my shoes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, Homer uh, comes in and tells the guy that the shoes just fell apart. I, uh, you know, his dog, faithful, uh, you know, dog went to like, you know, like gingerly like bring them to him and they fell apart in his mouth. And the guy says, ah, sorry, buddy. He says, no fire, theft or active dog gets a refund. And Homer is pretty upset. But he knows what's going to make him feel better. A big cookie. Well, he gets offered a sample of the cookie first. Oh, yeah. And then he gets mad at her, and he's like, oh, I see. He's like, get us addicted to the jack up the price. Okay, you win. And uh, he's going to have a uh, macadamia nut cookie. Macadamia nut, as he calls it. (laughs) Yes, it does. Uh, I also, I think that uh, it doesn't look the same, but I think it's the same voice used for the lady in the uh, uh, very first episode, the Simpsons roasting on an open fire, the one who uh, tells Homer about the deductions on the check. I think you're right. I think it's the same voice. Uh, So Homer is back home and uh, he makes a note for the cookie uh, because it won't fit in the cookie jar and he puts on top and, you know, I... Uh, the music is getting tense as the dog watches and Homer leaves and we see it pounce. And then meanwhile, the quilt patch is finished. Uh, Lisa's patch is uh, of Mr. Largo who taught her that even the most beautiful concerto can be drained of its beauty and soul and bleeding gums. Murphy who said that music is a fire in your belly and it comes out of your mouth. So you better stick an instrument in front of it. I, she has a callus. They have the sewing finger and they do kind of like an ET thing? Is that what that's a reference to? So it's got the, the touching e- e- fingers. Music. It's the it's the um, famous painting of um, 
God and touching with the oh uh, God and Adam yeah oh is that what that's a reference to I uh, so they leave the room and we see the dog pounce again I uh, and then when I uh, I uh, Marge brings Homer into the room uh, maybe even Bart is it Bart and Homer I believe it's Bart and Homer I. Uh, we see that the quilt is ruined and Marge is like inconsolable. Six generations ruined, which would mean that the quilt was started around in the 19 or 1840s. That makes sense. Cause there was a civil war uh, panel on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Homer tries to console Marge, just like you were bringing up earlier. And then he sees the note for the cookie and he breaks down <laughs> and starts crying over this giant cookie. And he demands a family meeting. Well, they've never had a family meeting before. Well, they never had a problem with a family member that they can give away before. Haven't they, though? Haven't they, though? I mean, arguably, I guess. Isn't Grandpa Simpson alone in in the (laughs) retirement home? Could that have been a shot that they could have put in there? Because that would have been great. That would have been great. I also (laughs) am a way worse person than you because my first thought was, yeah, I guess they could just give away the uh, Bart and Lisa and Maggie to adoption. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think of that. Just because our kid got taken away doesn't mean everybody else just does. <laughs> so, I, so I, I, Bart says he'd rather set his uh, fire to his hair, rip off all of his clothes, or or put sugar in the gas tank, and I, I, you know, he he looks to Marge for help, and Marge kind of agrees with Homer, and Homer like laughs at Bart. Yeah, Homer's real rotten in this scene. He really is. Uh, and so they make the deal that he's currently in canine school or obedience school, whatever you want to call it, and that if he can make him the perfect dog, that, like, he asks, can we keep him? And Homer says no, uh, which I love the delivery on that line that he's just immediately, like, even if, if the dog becomes perfect, he still is not willing to keep him. And Lisa then gives a heartfelt speech about throwing away troubled loved ones. And Homer breaks down and sobs and says that when it's time to pull the plug, he wants Lisa in his corner. <laughs> But we don't get a sad shot of Grandpa. A sad shot of Grandpa would have been so good in any of these moments. It really would. It really, really would have been great. Uh, The Simpsons aren't really doing a lot of cutaway gags at this point. No, they're not. We'll get there, though. Uh, So we cut back to the obedience school. Sam the Barfly has a different dog now. Uh, Some other random dude has Jacques Poodle. Uh, And I, I... Maybe Jacques was too busy at a sex competition, so they had to have some guy watch his dog. That was a dream sequence. There's no such thing as sex. Actually, there might be sex competitions. I can't. I've never just never been invited to one. If anybody's done research on a sex competition, please <laughs> let us know through our Facebook page or through Discord, because we would be interested to know if they actually exist. Absolutely. So we see some plaques. We see that there are some dogs that are the Rin Tin Tins, the Benjis, the Totos, and the Cujos. Uh, which uh, uh, Rin Tin Tin is uh, like a well, it was a German Shepherd, right? Yes, had his own TV show. Benji was his little dog that like fought a cougar at one point. Yeah, Benji is a weird movie. Benji the Haunted. He fought a cougar, or like befriended a cougar, or, like because it, its kittens were like in trouble or something. My sister watched it a million times when we were kids. I don't remember. I think you just combined Benji and Milo and Otis because they're all the same movie. Yeah, they're not too far Except off. Except for Milo and Otis has a lot of cat death in it mm. now i'm don't, sad don't, don't ever look at the behind the scenes for my low notice folks it's very depressing 
Uh, and then Toto, of course, is Dorothy's dog from uh, Wizard of Oz. And Cujo uh, was kind of like a horror movie, right? Was yeah. that Stephen King? Cujo is a Stephen King one. And actually, Cujo, fun fact about Cujo. Mm-hmm. Stephen King wrote it as a short story. Yeah. Threw it out because he hated the short story. Mm-hmm. His wife pulled it out of the garbage and said, no, no, go back to this. You have an idea there. Go with it. Uh-huh. And he expanded it to an actual novel and it became a huge success. Really? Yep. Interesting. You would think that something like a, an attack killer, a killer dog that attacks people would be more suited to a, a, uh, to a short, short story? story. You'd think so. Oh, good on him. Because that's, I mean, you know, Cujo is definitely in the sort of the pop culture of society and stuff. You know, if someone refers to someone's dog as being like Cujo, they're an evil dog. Yeah, you know. I mean, you don't get very many evil dogs. There aren't many dogs in hell. All dogs go to heaven. I mean, yeah, they pretty much do, except for uh, uh, the lassie that bit Timmy, uh, Hitler's dog, and... uh, Nixon's dog? Nixon's dog. uh, uh, Chester. Checkers. Right, him. Uh, So, uh, uh, Marge... wants to wait until the dog fails. Homer decides uh, to get her to use her typewriter and uh, uh, basically is like making up this like ridiculous uh, shtick about how it's free to a loving home and the dog says, I love you on command. So I think that's a really funny joke in retrospect because yeah. in the episode with Laddie later on, the cat and dog feel upset that they're being replaced. And Santa's little helper learns to say, we love you. Oh, the elephant episode. Oh, that, that was in the elephant yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, right. Stampy. Stampy. We love you. So yeah, he does learn to say, I love you on command. That is funny. We love you. <laughs> so I, I can just keep saying that over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope my cats come in the bedroom tonight and just go, we love you. <laughs> uh, I think they're possessed at that point. Uh, so Homer's on the phone. I... Uh, well, actually, I'm, I'm sorry. Meanwhile, uh, Bart's trying to convince the instructor that he really can command the dog. It's not going well. Homer is uh, at home, and he's uh, talking to someone on the phone. He says, we're moving to a country where dogs are forbidden. And he's like, put that prowler down and say I love you. And so Homer's like got the phone in front of him, and he's like, I love you. It's a very Scooby-Doo-esque voice, and I love it. Yeah. I... So, uh, uh, Winthrop is uh, uh, still trying to to get Bart and Santa's little helper to do their thing, and she puts a plate of beef Wellington down, which that's not, that's just a steak. Yeah. But whatever. Uh, and uh, uh, back at home, there's like some farmer guy who's going to take uh, Santa's little helper, and he's like, impatient people think only mules can pull carts. And then he grabs the dog by the balls yeah he grabs the generals to check the dog is that a thing if you're a pervert oh okay all right fair enough <laughs> no, no i'm sure there's something where you check it to see if it's healthy i i would hope so or else yeah that's real weird i uh, i uh, so i uh, i uh, bart goes to visit mrs uh mrs winthrop uh and she's reading a journal of canine obedience that says airedale is the dog of the 90s oh I, I is that true? Was that a '90s thing? I do not know. Mm, I don't know enough about dogs. I uh, and so you know Bart's trying to ask her to pass the dog, and she says "Heavens to Murgatroyd," which is a variation of "Heavens to Betsy," made popular by Snagglepuss. Is Snagglepuss the only character who said that? 
I mean, that's about the 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 most popular usage I can f- I could find out. Did online. the gentleman go or not the the Funky Phantom ever say it? Uh, I, but I think Snagglepuss was out before Funky Phantom, right? Snagglepuss would have been, but I'm just curious if Funky Phantom ever said it. I, I'm sure he did. Because they had the same voice. Heavens to Murgatroyd. I. Uh, she tells Bart, though, that she won't bend or break in her rigid ideals. Uh, and if the dog isn't going to sit, pull the... Uh, she actually screams at him. She's like, pull the bloody chain, boy. And Bart cannot stomach the discipline. And this is actually a moment where I, I feel bad for Bart. Like, I, I'm definitely someone that feels you need to be pretty strict with animals and, you know, things like that. But, like, it, it's so hard to watch Bart that upset after pulling the chain on his... his uh, uh, you know, a dog. But while Bart is feeling bad, Lisa starts a new quilt, uh, and she uh, captures the moment of the dog destroying the old one. Which is a clever, clever thing to quilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Bart's outside at night. He's trying to get the dog to listen, and Lisa, who's feeling better, comes out, and she convinces Bart to have fun in their last few hours together, rather than him trying to yell at the dog and the dog not know what it's doing. And so there's a montage of them having fun. Uh, Bart throws a Frisbee, and it hits the dog in the eyes. Uh, And somehow Bart's tears fix the dog? Yeah, I hate this ending. I really hate this ending. Yeah, it's kind of dumb. So this episode is a play on the first episode of the season. Bart gets an F. Yeah. And Bart passes through his hard work, his studying. He tries really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And he's still stupid, and he can't help it. Mm -hmm. But Kravapal takes pity on him because he did learn something. Yeah, it is true. The dog just magically is okay and can learn English now. Yeah, it knows what Bart's saying. Every command, it's perfect. It's just a stupid cop on ending to get us there quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the ending is is a little on the crummy side. However, I love the next line. After Bart realizes that Santa's little helper is is you know can can do all these commands, I. It immediately cuts to uh, Emily Winthrop on the stage, handing out all the diplomas for the dogs. And she goes, you son of a bitch. And I love Tracy Ullman's delivery on that line. I also really appreciate, I, I feel like there's so many little great moments here at the end of the episode. Because Homer gives this really slow clap that's really menacing at first. Yeah, he's pretty upset that the dog passed, in all honesty. He then changes his mind and it gets excited and, you know, starts cheering. Uh, Choke chains are thrown up in the air. And Sean, did you catch all of the uh, lines for each of the dogs? So I caught Martin's dog died. (laughs) Yep. uh, Lao Tzu ate a poisonous toad and is now in a coma. Buddy ran away from home. Santa's little helper bit Bart. Homer didn't mind. Uh, for the record, Lao Tzu is a uh, 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 sort of a, a philosopher, religious figure from Taoism. Uh, of course, that's what Martin would name his dog. Lao Tzu is kind of a cool dog name. Martin sucks. Okay, let's just get that out <laughs> in the open. So that is the episode. Sean, I think that you might end up having the last, same lasting impact as me. This is, I think, one of our first dog-centric episodes. Oh, yeah. It's the first dog-centric episode other than the first episode, which kind of gives us a dog. Mm-hmm. 
It's not very good. It's you know it's what? Okay. It's yeah, okay. It's an okay episode. It's not bad. It's not especially great. But I just hate the way it all wraps up so neatly in the ending. I feel like they could have done better. I feel like maybe if like kind of like how you were thinking earlier, like if the dog ate the shoes, if it was the shoes and the quilt at the same time wrapped that up real quick and got to the more tense moments, maybe you could have had a little bit more, like maybe Bart realizing he does have to be more uh, aggressive with like his training or something. Like some something that like Bart wraps it all together. Something that connects with the dog and he's able to stop the dog from doing something. Yeah, exactly. So, something in order to like make it feel like it's less I mean, it's like a magic happy ending. Like, oh, Bart cries and the dog feels bad, and so he starts, you know. I mean, why didn't he feel bad earlier when Marge cried or Homer cried? Yeah, like if it would have been like Bart cried and, you know, pleaded to him to stop ripping something up, Mm -hmm. and that's when the dog learned it, and Bart learned that, oh, his sorrow makes this dog feel something, that would have been a much better ending than just, oh, the dog's okay now. Yeah, it, they didn't do a, a really great job with that. But there's some solid lines. Uh, I really like uh, Tracy Ullman's delivery on a lot of, uh, 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 you know. Uh, oh, Tracy Ullman's a know. great guest star as the uh, instructor Winthrop. Yeah, the, instru- the, the instructor, uh, which she'll never voice that instructor again, though that instructor will show up as a background character uh, in a future episode. I. Uh, but yeah, uh, aside from that, uh, the uh, uh, only other thing I wanted to uh, uh, delve into a little bit is to uh, chat about our uh, Patreon. Uh, so as far as that goes, I uh, just want to let everyone know that if you're interested in supporting Noiseland Arcade, make sure to go to patreon.com slash GameZilla Media, where you're going to not only uh, have access to uh, Noiseland Arcade's perk, uh, the Smart Line show, uh, for $5 a month, we have a uh, buy monthly episode or bi-monthly episodes that we release uh where we uh talk about different uh you know uh, characters delve into topics things like that for uh, uh the show uh but you also have access to all the other uh perks that uh, uh, uh the games of the media podcasts offer so any lasting thoughts on this episode you know sean because I don't go back to this one very often. I really don't. I, I don't really go back to this one especially often, uh, but I, uh, there is just one thing that I did want to uh, tell you. Oh, yeah, what's that? You son of a bitch. Bitch.